Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. Hello and welcome back to another Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. We bring you the most intriguing discussions from successful individuals in the real estate and financial freedom space. Today, we have an amazing and remarkable guest, Dr. Param Baladandapani, who has such an inspiring story, really, of transformation. She was a full-time radiologist, and now she is a real estate mogul, a full-time mom raising two kids, and she is founding a just an amazing community where she provides education to other medical professionals and she has a fund as well. And so I know she's built an amazing portfolio with her fund and she is here today to share with us invaluable insights. And so thank you. Thank you for being here with us, Dr. Para. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. First of all, congratulations. You did a great job with the last name. Sometimes people have difficulty with that. And thank you for having me. I love what you're doing in this space, Rachel. I think you're a true giver. You you always talk, educate, and uh, appreciate everything that you do. Oh, thank you. And it's such an honor to have you here. You've been on such an incredible journey. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Tell us how you're able to uh, accelerate towards financial freedom in just a few short years using real estate. So, Rachel, I think uh, my story is similar to many of our stories, right? When we accelerate, I've heard your story also. I think after training, I was a re- I'm was i a radiologist in Southern California, so I was doing my thing, multiple six figures. Seems like success on the outside, but honestly, you don't really have the freedom to, you don't have absolute control over your time and money, but you just, things are okay, status quo is okay till something really happens. And 2019 was when that happened for me. There was a merger at work and I had a rough career transition. Everything that I'd negotiated needs to be renegotiated. Things looked very different from what it looked like when I started practicing medicine. And then just as things were settling down, the pandemic hit and that was a hit for most of us in medicine, right? Again, I lost, kids were home. I was working part-time from home, was getting burnt out. Many nights where I was uh, reading till midnight just so that I would make sure the next day was lighter so I could you know, balance everything. And through that transition period, and they say obstacles, within the obstacle lies the opportunity. But I don't think if I'd gone through that, I probably wouldn't have pivoted the way I did. But I just realized that I needed to decouple my uh, income from medicine or any active. I was trading my time for money and I just realized that you can't, it, it just wasn't tenable any longer. And that's when I went down the path of, okay, what does financial freedom mean? What is passive income? What does it look like for me right now? 
I was primarily investing in the stock market 2014. I, I started investing in real estate, but I think there are those who don't invest in real estate and those who invest in real estate don't really understand it. I was in that second category. I was just looking at cash flow. I was like, oh, how is this ever going to get me to financial freedom? Really put it on the back burner. But then I looked at that property that was just like so passive. I just bought it and rented it out. And there's so much equity built up in that property uh, over those six years. And I realized that I had six times the returns from real estate just doing what I was doing, which was like boring real estate, right? Uh, not even anything fancy like short-term rentals or mid-term rentals, Rachel. So then I was like, okay, I can do this. I should just, this is what I should do. And then as I started going down the path, I learned every all I could about doing rehabs, forcing appreciation, really taking things back into control where you can have higher cash flow with short-term rentals, mid-term rentals. Uh, where you could have massive tax savings when you're more active in real estate. And then tapping into all of those things, I realized that uh, you could use, I have like three-year goal to get to financial freedom, but I was essentially using the same pot of money over and over again because you recycle it every time you pull your money out and through tax savings or by adding value to a property, then you keep using it and getting to financial freedom faster. That's what happened a year from then, from when I set those goals. I was actually reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I remember writing it down and I still have the book. It's at the last page. I was like, this is what I'm going to do in the next three years. And a year later, I hit that goal and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And so I was eventually able to say, I need to cut down to a day a week in medicine. And it made sense because my kids were still at home at that point. And it gave me the flexibility to tailor my life based on what I needed at that time. And I was a little petrified because you're used to being go. And I was like, how is this going to work? I was like, I'm going to start educating. I was passionate. I was like talking to all my friends about real estate. And this is what you should do. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I need this needs to be a little more structured. So I formed a, a WhatsApp community. It was just women initially. I'm like, I did a lot of mindset uh, beliefs around that, right? I was like, which man is going to want to hear a woman talk about financial freedom? So it was just a community of women. And then it started growing. Everyone brought their spouses in. And then we went on to Facebook and now we have 10,000 positions in the community. And as that grew, I realized that there needed to be more structure or training because people were coming and listening to all the free content. Nothing was really happening. And so for transformation, there needed to be more structured training. And that's when the coaching program started. That was all about direct ownership, right? We talk about midterm, short-term rentals, long-term rentals, multifamily uh, rehabs, all of that stuff in there. And I realized that even then, like more than 50% of the community really didn't want to be active. We didn't want to directly own real estate, even though you can do it passively, right? You can have your systems. And so that's when GW Capital was created because we wanted to bring vetted syndication opportunities to the community so people could, they wanted to stay passive. They still had options. And it wasn't where, because people, and I'm sure this happened to you too, Rachel, people were bringing all their syndication opportunities to me and saying, can you vet this program? And I was like, okay, can you get me the underwriting? Because this shiny the, memora- the, the uh, offering memorandum doesn't mean anything. I need to look at the assumptions. And I never got that. And that's where the conversation would stop. So like, let's start bringing this in-house so that we can actually vet these deals and then present them to the community. And so that's how GW Capital was created. And now we're at 800 doors and 150 million in assets under management at this point and then growing. But, but yeah, that was the evolution. And then my why shifted because initially it was financial freedom. And then it was like, okay, what's the next thing that's driving me? Now it's all about impact. We impact the families that we have in the community and the generations to come. But a big part of what we're doing is also GW Gives, where we're helping children in rural India with disabilities, because that's where I see the greatest inequity. And a a, a big part of our charitable giving goes to improving and empowering those kids. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I love everything about everything (laughs) that you just shared. And what I think is incredible is 
what a difference just a few years, right, can make. And this isn't 20 years of you plucking away at something. And what struck me is when you said you wrote it down, what what is the impact that you've seen in yourself as well as members of your community when you actually write down what your goal is? You wrote it down. You said, in three years, here's where I want to be. And it happened in one year. Could you speak on that a little bit more? Yeah. And you bring up a very important point, Rachel. You and I are in a lot of masterminds and coaching. We get coached ourselves. And what you come to realize is that that goal setting, it's it's not about how, it's a, it's about setting that goal and really wanting to achieve it. And then you figure it out, right? Because everything is figure outable. But if you don't know where you're going, um, then you just, you're just going to let the, the wind blow you wherever it takes you, right? Because you're not being intentional about it. And to be intentional, actually putting um, a pen to paper is, is so important. And which is why and I'm sure you do this too. Like when, whenever I coach or have any of my sessions, I say, okay, I want you to write down what your goal is. And then uh, the other thing is to also really know which direction you're going because you don't really even know where you're going until you actually plug plug your numbers in. And so those financial calculators, retirement calculators, where you're saying, okay, if you keep doing what you're doing right now, do you even know where you're going? And most of us don't unless you actually sit down and figure it out. And so those retirement calculators, when you actually plug the numbers in, that's what I did. I plugged it in. I was like, wait, another 17 years to get a financial freedom. I'm supposed to do this for another 17 years before I can say, hey, this is what I want to do. And actually writing it down, plugging those numbers in, that's what really shifts things in your mind. And then having that clear vision. And, and you bring up such an important point for anyone, right? If I look at your journey, Rachel, and so many our, our students, if we look at our students' journey, their journey is so much faster because what took us 10 years to figure out ourselves, when you get coached by someone, that takes it takes, uh, it takes them a year to do it, right? So you're compressing those timelines. And so it is possible. And I think what you do and what I do when we talk about this, is to show people what's possible. And that's where it begins, right? And then you say, okay, they can do it in one year. I can do it in a year. And you write it down. And that's where your journey begins. Oh, I love it. I love it. And so already actionable steps and getting that clarity. Because the first thing in a book that I mentioned a little bit earlier that we're reading yeah. right now in, in, one of the small, in one of my small groups and mastermind is this 10x is easier than 2x. And one thing that Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan, they talk about this goal. We do one thing, but we'll specify that goal. And I bet when you specified your goal, you say three years, I want to be here. Can you imagine someone saying, you know what? I want to be here in one year, right? So are, do we have that permission to think bigger? Because let me tell you, we have exceeded our goals by our lives are not recognizable from what I had thought yeah, because yeah. I was going on that linear trajectory, what I could see. So yeah. thinking bigger is just absolutely, it, it's changed the trajectory. And just like you with impact, I have a similar goal for creating sustainable orphanages in Haiti where the children wow. can live off of the produce that they grow and the livestock. So all oh, this luxury beautiful. on the outside, that's like my TV persona, but behind closed doors. But I have these mouths to feed. That is the goal. There are layers of why, right? There are layers of why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mine started off and I tell members of my company, I started off, I just want to pick up my kid from school. Yes. Yes. And that's a perfectly fine why for someone listening to this, right? That may be what gets you started today, but you will get to the point where you're going to re-examine your why and come up with a, a new why that serves you at that point. Yeah. 
yeah, this conversation just totally went in a different direction than I was expecting. So, well, I'm Rachel, if it's you and me talking, this was bound to happen. It was bound to happen, guys. And it shows you that it's more than real estate. It was never about the money. It was never about the real estate. It was so much more than that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm excited that we're tapped into that. But I know our listeners want to hear about the real estate. So let's, let's, let's dive back in. So Dr. Param, there's a lot of word out on the streets in terms of real estate, interest rates. A lot of people are worried that, are there deals to be made? Is there, is anything penciling out? Multifamily is a little bit scary. Short-term rentals. How do I optimize? I'm barely making ends meet. So we have a lot of noise. And so my question to you is, what are your thoughts? What is, let's say, a particular asset that you're looking at right now that you would say you're able to get it to pencil out based on specific parameters? Yes, you're absolutely right, Rachel. There, the environment is completely different, right? So lending constraints, transaction volumes are low, interest rates are super high. And because transaction volume is low, there isn't enough inventory. It's still a seller's market in many ways. We haven't seen the price correction that we should have seen with interest rates going up. And that's true across the market. And that's true in most asset classes, unless you're talking office and retail. We're in single family, in the single family space, even with multifamily, we've seen a little bit of reset, but not really that much. And so you're right. You can't invest in this market the way you did, say, two years ago. And uh, I, I like to look at it as, and we talk about this all the time, right? This is true for short-term rentals. This is true for properties you want to rehab. It's true for multifamily. I'd like to break it down into three different things. It's what you buy. Do you have the ability to hold it? And what can you control? And these three things, you need to be more intentional about that now than we ever did before. And and it's always data over drama. I like to be data-driven. So let's. So the first thing always is, because there's a lot of fear, right? It's, it's normal to have fear and you should have a healthy dose of fear. But when you look at what you need to look at is, okay, so how did these asset classes perform during the last recession? And then use that data to tailor how you're investing right now. So for short-term rentals and um, Airbnb does a great job. They, they've had podcasts about this and they put out data with your on your numbers during the last four recessions. And we don't really have short-term rental data to go by, but we go by the hospitality sector data, right? And so the last four recessions on average, short-term rental or hotel revenue drop by approximately 10% per year. And that's what you can expect. And because that is a sector that does tend to have a little more of a of an impact with macroeconomic trends. And so when we buy, our whole goal is to underwrite and stress test for all, right? Because as far as we know, as, as in what we've seen in the last year, and everyone's been talking about Airbnb best, the Airbnb bust, Repar has stayed stable. And maybe there's been a little bit of a drop, but compared to pre-pandemic numbers, we're still doing we still have healthy numbers. Um, the way people are traveling has shifted and we don't expect that people to go back to how it was uh, pre-pandemic. So a, a lot of things have changed. And that being said, um, yes, there has been some saturation in markets, but uh, ADR has, has stayed healthy and that's because of inflation. And between that and occupancy dropping a little bit, in most places, Repar has stayed plateaued a little bit, dropped a little, but not that much, right? And so as long as you're underwriting for that, I think that's that fair. Now, short-term rental and multifamily are two different beasts. Multifamily has commercial loans, and so the lending gets a little challenging. So you need to be very cautious as far as your leverage is concerned. But with all of those, but across the asset class, and we'll talk about lending for multifamily, picking the right market has always been important. You talk about this all the time, Rachel. You, when you go in, the most important thing you can do but to de-risk your investment is to pick the right market, make sure you understand all regulations and go into a place where regulations have been established for short-term rentals. And it's you look at seasonality, you look at occupancy, you look at all of those things. Same thing for multifamily. 
you want to go into markets that have strong demographics where people are migrating in there and every market performs differently during a downturn. So the, the best thing you can do is, is doing market due diligence. Make sure you have a longer term plan. I don't think this is the time to do flips because you're taking on definitely more risk over there. But for most of us, our strategy is a long-term buy and hold. Even when we're doing multifamily, we're thinking of longer holds, right? So you underwrite for at least a five to seven-year hold if you need to, and you buy cash flowing properties day one. And that's what you talk about a lot. Also, we talk about the exact same thing. That's true for any asset class, because when you do that, then you have the ability to hold, right? And if you can go in and purchase something at a discount, this is going to be hard in the single family space, but in the multifamily space, we're able to do that. So if you buy discounted properties and you've done your market due diligence and it's cash flowing day one and you have a longer term strategy, that's our buy box. And, and when, when you tick that, then you go on to, okay, how, am I going to be able to hold on to this property? And that's where all the underwriting and the stress testing works. You talk about this all the time. Also, Rachel, when you're running your numbers, you need to slash your ADR and occupancy. And we like to do slash it by 10% each and see if the numbers still pencil out. And that's what you're doing for short-term rentals. When you're thinking about multifamily, the same thing. You can't expect, you're not, you don't have the same rent growth right now. You have to underwrite for um, vacancy increasing and occupancy dropping a little bit. Um, and you be very intentional in how you underwrite. And that's what we're doing. We're being super conservative because you rather over deliver, uh, but super conservative in your underwriting. Um, and then as far as multifamily is concerned, now this is different uh, for multifamily and um, the single family space, but commercial loans, the lending becomes lender requirements are something you really need to be careful about. So really getting fixed rate debt. We're doing a lot of loan assumptions right now where we're getting 3% um, interest rate for five to seven years. That's fixed. Um, and if it's agency debt, again, that's more stable debt as opposed to getting bridge debt. So really looking at that lending is very important. I think when for most of your listeners, um, those who want to own directly, if you're looking at long-term fixed 30-year loans within the single family space, conventional mortgages, you're fine. As long as your numbers pencil out and you're stress testing, you're good. But when you go to multifamily, you need to be very intentional about debt. But then the best part is I can't control what happens with prices. What else can I control? And that's where going in and rehabbing the properties, increasing the rents, finding properties where there's already, it's not at the rents that it can be. And there's some loss to lease where you can bump up the rents right away just because it's not at market rents. All of that helps. Having a plan to increase the value of the property, increase the rents after you improve the property, that helps. Having unique properties and really knowing to run your short-term rentals, those are things that are totally in your control. And if you run it as a business, then you're really increasing your revenue by standing out, right? So those are things you absolutely have control over. And then the tax savings part, right? When you're tapping into those tax savings, that's an additional boost that you get. And that's your buffer, right? So having those cash reserves and buffers, those are going to be really important. And I want people to, I think what I like to say is, I don't like timing the market per se, but I do know that there are different ways of investing in every market cycle. And we're in a very different market cycle compared to two years ago. So being very intentional about all these things, you can't just buy something and, and, and hope that prices will go up and keep your fingers crossed that it's going to cash flow and you're going to break even. Being very intentional about these things and realizing that although we can't control market prices, we can control the, the, the tax strategy part. We can control the increasing value and standing out and being unique. If you remember all of that, I think, You've done your due diligence and you, you, we still, like you, your members are doing this, Rachel. Our members are still buying short-term rentals that, you know, even with the stress test, pencil out really well and they're getting the tax saving on top of it. And that's their buffer and they're learning to run it as a business and, and they know what to do even when if there's a, a slowdown, they know exactly what they should be doing to position themselves so that they're still having the visibility and they're still maintaining their occupancy. But when you know what you're doing, when you're educating yourself, you're de-risking yourself in this market. I don't believe in timing the market, but I do believe in having a strategy that is going to weather any market cycle. 
Oh, I love that. And you dropped so many knowledge bombs and gems in there, Dr. Farrell. I know it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to say one. It's not one thing. It's, it's no. always like a, a combination. Yeah, it is a combination. And you gave us a lot of gems when it comes to what to avoid, how to de-risk and making sure that numbers pencil out, even if we're adjusting those yeah. daily rates. And I think that is so important. And this is the time, and I've said it before, we don't want to live off of hopium, but this is the time we definitely don't. I live. like that. Hopium, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there are two kinds of people, right? There are the people who are like, I'm going to buy this. It's like breaking even for a short-term rental that they're self-managing, right? But I'm getting the taxing. So like, okay, that's not the kind of people who want to buy. Hopium, that, I like that. Hopium is not going to work. And then there are the people who are like, I'm going to wait two years to buy it because I'm going to stay out. The market cycle is like extremes, but you want to be in that happy middle. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that I jotted down and I love just to take notes because you, again, you dropped some great bombs just a moment ago. You mentioned established regulations. And so regulations is such a hot topic right now, isn't it, Dr. Parham? So what I'm seeing is some areas are having unfair regulation where they just want to ban it everywhere. And some areas are having regulations and I'm not afraid of regulation. I actually like regulations. I tell them I like to color within the lines as long as I know what the rules are, I know how to operate. I just don't yeah. like surprises. Surprises is what messes numbers up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Can you expound upon the community a little bit about why we should be mindful and why would sh- we should lean into markets where the regulations are already established? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially if you want to run your property as a short-term rental and big part of your strategy banks on going into which short-term rental. We have the typical vacation markets and we have metro markets. And I think regulations changing in both those markets can look very different for an investor. But if you're going into your typical vacation market and the strategy and the numbers work based on running it as a short-term rental, and if you're looking to tap into those tax savings, you know, for that calendar year, you want your average stay to be seven days or less if you want to go and tap into the, to be able to shelter your active income based on acquiring the the short-term rental. And so uh, if you're going into a market where those regulations change, either because your HOA suddenly feels like they don't want to have short-term rentals in there and they want to go to a 30-day stay, then A, you're not going to be able to get the tax saving if your average guest stay exceeds seven days for that calendar year, unless you're providing additional services, which most of us don't have breakfast or laundry. So that's going to affect your strategy right there. And and secondly, your revenue, you may not be hitting your revenue goals. And if you were to run that as a long-term rental, which is why we always tell our members, run it as a long-term rental, even in those vacation markets to make sure you're kind of breaking even. But if you haven't accounted for that, then you may have a property that you're going to be pumping money into. And we don't want to have negatively cash flowing properties in our hand. And so when regulations have already been established and it's a market that thrives on tourism and it, it thrives on that vacation rental uh, market and that's what drives the economy, then they're going to be more in favor of it. They've already established or if it's somewhere where they've already established strict regulations, then you can go into the pockets where you can still go in and the numbers make sense. If you're going into a market where they're still figuring things out, you just don't know what's going to hit, which is why, and you talk about this a lot also, Rachel, you need to call the county clerk's office, make sure you know what's in the pipeline, not just what's what's happened, what's already in place and do all of your due diligence. Same thing with the HOA, but you can never predict these things. If you can go into a place where there isn't an HOA or you can go into a place with established regulations that helps. Now, the metro markets are a whole different thing. You've heard of what happened in Dallas. And so they don't permit short-term rentals unless if you're zoned in a, for a residential single family area, unless like, you're zoned for multifamily. And so that is always a possibility with metro markets, and which is why when our members underwrite for metro markets, 
You're also underwriting to run it as maybe a midterm rental, which again, is something you talk about a lot, but that gives you the ability, as long as your stays are greater than 30 days, you have more flexibility, right? No one can ban that. And so that's why even, that's why even in Udidus, when we coach, we talk about short-term and midterm together because oftentimes that's your exit strategy, right? Uh, especially for metro markets, you need to, uh, even when you go in, run your numbers for midterm rentals or a long-term rental, a furnished long-term rental generally generates more revenue um, than an unfurnished one. But the numbers, you have to have those exit strategies, especially within metro markets, because you just don't know when regulations may change. But yeah, but if you are if you have the ability to pick going into markets that thrive on, uh, on, on vacation rentals, uh, on that tourism, or markets that have established regulations that, and then if you don't have any choice, you're risking yourself a little bit. I love that. I love that. And I just really appreciate the, the way that you're looking at it from a holistic perspective. So you're looking at what's the pivot, what's the exit strategy. So for your community and your, you and your members, how is your pivot looking like for multifamily? Oops, excuse me. Multiple um, in terms of, are you looking at different market dynamics? Are you looking at trends in terms of industries that are having an uptick in certain markets? How are you looking at your opportunities going forward? Yeah, so with the multifamily, we're doing what we call a flight to safety, which is typically what you see. Most conservative operators are doing the same thing. We are going into deals that a lot of them are loan assumptions, like that debt is a big part of what we're looking at right now. Loan assumptions going in with lower leverage. So I think in the last six months, we haven't done anything that has been greater than 60% loan to value. So again, going in with more equity in the deals, we're going towards more newer vintage class A minus deals because they tend to cash flow from day one. You may not see that big upside. You're not going to go in there and do a deep value, but we're trying to stay away from those because that adds a little more risk and this is not the environment to be taking on that risk. So both from the debt side and from the assets that we're looking at, all the markets that we go into, we do market studies to make sure we can execute the business plan today and not based on adding value and then generating the revenue. So today you should be able to sustain it. And then again, very safe, conservative assumptions, minimal rent growth. What happens when we increase vacancy? What is that break-even occupancy looking like? Looking at all of those things, but we're definitely doing a flight to safety as far as multifamily especially with the debt aspect, but also with, with all, all of our underwriting for multifamily. And I think it's true for, this is what we talked about, right? This is not the time to be going on hopium, <laughs> especially in the multifamily space with what lending looks like. This is awesome. And I think such a timely conversation, especially with the current economic environment. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's going to provide benefit, not just for multifamily individuals, but those who are in short-term rentals as well, how do you hedge? What is it that we can look at from a team perspective? So I know one thing, we look at our technology staff, we look at our yeah. team, where are we overbloated, right? So yeah. how do we run a, a more lean business? Yeah. And one thing that we do leverage to run a more lean business is AI tools, to be honest. The fact yeah. that we're not a Fortune 500 company, we, we can't afford to have 50 people on staff that aren't yeah. doing anything. So yeah, like exactly. Everyone, all hands on deck. We need everyone just, just really bringing in at least 5X what their salary is. And I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. That's yeah. We're looking to tighten and right the ship as well. Yeah. Um, because we know labor is a big component of that. And I know multifamily labor, you guys, <laughs> you can appreciate that being a big Yeah. 
Absolutely. Staying mean, using AI, even from the marketing perspective, leasing, using virtual assistants who can help with leasing, taking on those calls, offloading a lot of that. We'd have to pivot with the times. And that's what we've been doing with our latest acquisitions. The goal is to take occupancy from the 91, 92, all the way to 95, 96. And a lot of times that means using resources that aren't really boots on the ground, but then they can really optimize your portfolio and all businesses are doing this at this point. And if you're, if you have your own real estate portfolio, you run that as a business, you have to really have a strategy where you're lean, but mean, you need to really make sure you get everything that you need to get, to get done effectively. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And those who are going to win, I think, in the space are those who can effectively leverage those tools. I don't see it as a, a replacement, but I see it as opportunity for RBA teams to go get to the next level and really show how they can provide services at a more efficient level. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And we're seeing a pivot on so many fronts, Rachel. Airbnb, so even the short-term rental space five years ago, is very different from what it looks like right now. We're all leveraging technology for automating, for optimizing. And so across many levels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just enjoy this conversation. I think it's going to continue to uh, move the need and move the envelope in our minds and the minds of the community. And this has just really been a fantastic conversation. A lot of amazing and fantastic advice from you, Dr. Param. So I so appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would love for you to take a moment and let the listeners know a little bit more about your program, how they can learn from you, how they can um, connect with you, who it is that you teach, who's in your community. Just, yeah, share that information. We'll yeah, that absolutely. As well. So like I mentioned before, the coaching program is, is for professionals, essentially, but it's 80% physicians in there. And we help them acquire long-term, short-term, mid-term rentals and have that diversification across that portfolio. Multifamily, if they want to scale into larger multifamily, we teach all of that and connect them to the right agents and get that information on generationalwealthmd.com where, you know, there's a link to it. But, and then if you want to invest with us passively, if that's, if direct ownership is not your thing. And GW Capital, again, you can get that link from gwcapital.com. That's capital with an A or Generational Wealth MD. But I think a, a resource I want to share with your members is the financial independence worksheet that I have, which has that retirement calculator. It was like we talked about earlier. If you really don't know where you're going, where you're headed or, and where you want to go, you're not going to pivot. So I love that calculator because it actually helps you write down your finance and figure out your financial independence number and then plug numbers into a calculator and say, okay, this is how I'm investing right now. How much longer is it going to take me? And so that's on the same website, generationalwealthmd.com. The resources section has a link to the calculator. So I'd love your uh, members to go and plug your numbers in and try it out and see where you are. I think that's what you need to do to make that pivot often. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you once again, Dr. Param. Look forward to seeing more of you and your success and the impact that you're going to make to, with children in need in India. So thank you. Thank you. Likewise, Rachel. I think you're doing amazing things. You're such a giver at heart. You teach and you educate so much. I love what you're doing. I can't wait to see where you are a few years from now. Oh, thank you. And I'll chat with you soon.